From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Medical experts are still learning about the novel coronavirus and its effects on the body. Today, I'm talking with a doctor of physical therapy who helps people after they've recovered from a COVID-19 infection. Zachary Boswell is from Upstate's Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Boswell. Hi, thank you for having me. Why is physical rehabilitation necessary for people who were hospitalized with COVID? That's a great question. Most of these patients who are going through recovery after a COVID-19 infection um, experience deficits in multiple body systems. Um, so related to long hospital stays and critical effects, the way our heart and lungs function, the way our muscles work, ultimately will lead to functional impairments. Um, so it's important for physical medicine and rehab um, from physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech and language pathology um, to see these patients to ensure uh, appropriate progress towards their functional baseline. So it's more, is it because of the damage the virus has done or the damage of being dormant, like laying in a hospital bed for so long, or a combination? It's definitely a combination. So from how we understand the virus affects the lungs, um, it directly affects the body's ability to absorb oxygen into the bloodstream and then expel carbon dioxide. So um, the hypoxic respiratory failure certainly has an impact on patients' ability to, uh, to move, function. However, like you mentioned, spending a long time in bed for our patients who are critically ill in the ICU, um, Prolonged bed rest can lead to muscle wasting or, or weakness, muscle atrophy, um, but it also secondarily can affect other body systems and organs, your kidneys, your liver, um, digestion, um, which will ultimately have an impact on your ability to tolerate activity um, and do those daily tasks that are necessary. So how long can someone be confined to bed before they're going to need to have some help like learning to move around again? It all depends, um, but we've seen deficits in function as early as a few days in bed. Um, some studies have shown um, muscle weakness can, can develop within the first week of immobility, even in young, healthy patients. Um, so these, these impairments can, can develop pretty early on in a hospital stay. Um, and then add in the effects of the sedatives or pain medications that patients require for comfort um, and other interventions that, that also secondarily can have an impact on normal function. Well, you mentioned um, breathing and the impact on, uh, of the virus on a person's ability to breathe. Is some of physical therapy and rehabilitation relearning how to breathe properly? Absolutely. Um, a lot of times when we feel short of breath, we tend to hyperventilate. Um, we start using what we call accessory muscles, muscles in our neck and our, our traps to, to try to force more air in, suck more air in and, and blow it out forcefully. However, this is very inefficient. Um, and what you end up doing is blowing off too much of the carbon dioxide. Um, and then that can lead to abnormalities in our blood gases and chemistry and whatnot and actually is a vicious cycle, which leads to that sense of shortness of breath. So a big part of our interventions 
is retraining respiratory rate, um, encouraging a slow, um, deep breath for inhale and exhale to normalize that ratio, as well as recruiting more of the diaphragm, um, which is one of our primary inhalation muscles. It helps push our stomach contents down and, and expand the lungs. Um, and without using that, especially for our patients who have been mechanically ventilated for an extended period of time, it takes some, some practice and some time to, to re-coordinate proper um, inhalation and, and, and exhalation. So it absolutely is, is important. Well, you mentioned hypoxia, and that's a lack of oxygen circulation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the disease process? I guess my question is, do people recover that or do you help them recover that ability to circulate oxygen? That's a good question. Um, and a lot of the recovery is inherently due to the body, body's ability to, to overcome the virus and, and some of these effects. Um, as a physical therapist, I don't directly heal anybody. Um, however, through my expertise in movement, um, anatomy and interventions that can help promote progress towards return to function, we can enhance um, the patient's ability to recover um, either more expeditiously or more completely by improving the environment that they're working in um, and improving the patient's ability to manage their own conditions. Well, with this being such a new virus, how do you as a physical therapist develop protocols for how to take care of these patients? It's a great question. And it's been an ever evolving situation. Early on, without understanding much about the virus, we had to look at how patients were presenting. Um, a lot of experts across the country from all rehab therapies have colluded and um, come to a consensus of what is this virus's presentation most similar to? Um, we hear it referred to as a pneumonia, but it's atypical pneumonia. Typically, pneumonia is unilateral um, inflammation of, of lung tissue. However, however, the way the virus affects the lungs, we see leakiness in the capillaries around the alveolar space, which impedes the body's ability to get oxygen from the lungs to the bloodstream. So it's not typical in that presentation. So our normal Interventions for a pneumonia would include airway, airway clearance techniques, um, positioning to help with secretion management. However, these patients have dry coughs because it's not a mucus issue, it's an airway, uh, air gas exchange issue. And then we have the issue of our patients who become critically ill, they develop ARDS or acute respiratory distress syndrome. Um, there's a lot of evidence, and um, both from a medical but from a rehab therapy perspective, on ARDS management. So, from a therapy perspective, I've relied heavily on um, information regarding ARDS um, and pulmonary rehab, um, but trying to move more towards um, encouraging respiratory techniques, energy conservation techniques, um, and progressive mobility as tolerated. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with physical therapist Zachary Boswell. So recognizing that every patient is individual, um, in general, what does physical therapy consist of for someone who's recovered in the hospital from COVID? Every encounter is going to begin with an, a, a thorough examination 
um, we'll review their chart for their medical history, their imaging, um, any laboratory findings that can help um, give us a sense of, of the acuity of the illness or what might be going on specifically. Um, we talk with the nurse and the physicians as well. Um, we'll look at their range of motion, strength, coordination, sensation, um, cognition, orientation, like, like most professionals would in the hospital. We'll also take a look at their functional mobility. And within that, we'll look at how they get out of bed or how they transfer to standing position if they're able. Um, and if they can do that, are they able to walk? Um, now, within looking at how they're moving, we take a look at their tolerance. We're watching their vitals. We're watching their um, their response, how, they're, how they tell us they're feeling. From all of that information, we can identify impairments which lead to functional limitations or difficulty in doing a specific task. From there, we'll establish our plan of care to address those impairments, whether it's we need to work on strengthening, whether it's we need to work on improving cognition while we're doing certain tasks, um, coordinating those breathing techniques we mentioned earlier to help with energy conservation, to help with ventilation. Um, it, it really, it, it's an all-encompassing approach so that way we can capture every possible contributing factor that's resulting in this functional limitation. So is it possible someone might not need physical therapy or, or may not need it for very long? Absolutely. So we have seen patients um, who right off the bat, um, we see they're managing their repositioning um, on their own with assistance from nursing um, under a physician order. Um, Something we see with these patients that's really beneficial, for example, is a prone positioning or, or moving onto your belly. For those patients who are doing that on their own, um, their condition is being medically managed, optimized in that way. The patient just needs time for the body to heal and recover. We might not go into that room. We might not see that patient. Um, we have seen some patients who, despite a positive test, they might not have any changes in their vitals. Their heart rate might be normal. Their blood pressure might be normal. Their breathing might be normal. They might just have a little bit of a low oxygen reading, for example. There's not much from a skilled perspective that I am going to contribute to that situation. As long as the nurses are educating, the physicians are educating on activity and repositioning, um, we might just be kind of on the sidelines and, and looking from afar in case there is a need that arises. Um, but that being said, the majority of the patients who are sick enough to come to the hospital typically benefit from at least an evaluation to identify if there is a need for continued services. Now, what about a COVID-19 patient who was never hospitalized, who recovered at their home? I mean, they may have had a, a really bad course of this. They may have been bedridden for, you know, a, several days or weeks. Might they mm. need physical therapy? It's, it's, it's very possible. There's potential for that. Um, if they notice there is a deficit from their for, from their baseline, um, say even for patients who normally don't go out of their house very much, but um, they're noticing a little bit of shortness of breath or difficulty getting from one room to the other, or they find themselves compensating and maybe they're not going up and down their stairs as often as they were prior. Um, they're not able to stand and do a full sink of dishes. They have to break it up through um, throughout the day. Um, these are all signs, these compensatory strategies, signs that there's something affecting your ability to do something you normally would. And in th these situations, it would definitely be worth talking to your primary care provider, um, or if you are familiar with a specific uh, physical therapist in your area, 
um, contacting their office to see to see go about getting um, an evaluation and see if there's something that we might be able to help with. Well, I wanted to ask you also about uh, some of the chronic impairments that people may have after they recover, because I read an article about a marathon runner who was hospitalized, and as he recovered, his doctors told him they don't think he'll run again. So Hmm. there's some long-term possibly consequences to this, right? We've seen in the literature coming from across the world, even from our country itself, that there is potential for some long-term consequences, um, negative uh, effects from this virus that can impact people across the board. Um, They might have issues with oxygenating. um, So that hypoxia we talked about, um, I've heard of anecdotally at least one individual who um, quite young, but even 45 days after initial positive test was still saturating um, in the high 80s, low 90s, a previous, an individual who previously didn't need any oxygen. Um, and that is, uh, when you said saturation, that should be closer to 100? Ideally, 95 to 100 is normal. Um, for our patients who are experiencing um, difficult breathing secondary to COVID-19 infection, um, the goal is 92 to 96 um, percent. And that's just the amount of oxygen that's bound to the, the red blood cells in our blood. Um, ideally, we would be able to, to to see specifically how much oxygen is in their blood. And many times in the hospital, we'll get an arterial blood gas for that. Um, but this is just talking about the, the probe that goes on the finger or the ear that, that lights up red and, and measures how much um, saturation uh, of oxygen there is peripherally. Um, but even mentioning, uh, back to the, the runner who you mentioned, I read that article as well. And, and though it's not as, as common or widespread, um, we're seeing deficits in, in people who are previously very high level functioning, um, very fit individuals. Um, but we don't quite understand why it's affecting some people more than others. And even a healthy population like like the marathon and runner you mentioned. I think that information um, for prognosis or, or trying to figure out what somebody's potential is for recovery, that will come um, when we're able to collect retrospective data, kind of looking back um, to be able to better identify what are some of these variables contributing to why this person was seemingly asymptomatic, no issues at all, um, and this person who um, may or may not have been healthier at baseline is has been affected uh, much more so than than the the prior so well you mentioned occupational therapists and speech language uh, therapists this these are also um, some specialties that patients may need right absolutely um, so occupational therapy um, is uh, another segment of our, our rehab therapies very important for patients. Um, their focus is primarily on activities of daily living. Um, they are specialists when it comes to cognition, assessment, and intervention, vision. Um, all of those important things, those occupations, um, people think mean a job, but what are those duties that you have to do on a daily basis to take care of yourself? Um, whether it's finances, medications, driving, um, or um, to help others. And then speech and language pathology is extremely important. Um, Again, all encompassing the speech and language, but also cognition. Um, 
these patients who have required mechanical ventilation, especially those for prolonged periods of time, it's really important for a speech and language pathologist to evaluate them um, and recommend further examination or specific intervention to help these patients be able to speak, um, swallow, and start taking nutrition in a safe manner. We don't want them aspirating, for example, or taking fluid into the lungs. Um, we don't want uh, we, we don't want any secondary complications from doing what we would assume would be a, a good thing, giving them food really early on. Um, and they are the specialists to to help recommend um, progression in diet and progression in, in certain things like that. Well, thank you to physical therapist Zachary Boswell from Upstate's Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.